This is the Music Vibes Podcast, sponsored by Neat 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 Records and Music, located at 1836 South Calhoun Street in downtown Fort Wayne. Neat 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 stocks LPs and CDs across all genres and is an authorized dealer of Ortofone, Audio-Technica, Emotiva, Wharfdale, Project, and more. Please visit neatneatneatrecords.com for more information. This is the Music Vibes Podcast, presented by Big 92.3 here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I'm your host, DC Hendricks, here with producer Cleveland back in the building. What's going on, man? How you doing? Oh, it was a fun weekend. Got to watch some uh, documentaries, some Motown documentaries. documentaries. Oh, Ooh, Motown yeah. documentaries. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a good weekend. That's good because uh, that just so happens to be our topic this week. So today, and once you told me that you were watching, I know the documentary came out. It was um, exclusively on Showtime. And I was not able to watch the documentary, so you're going to be breaking that down. But we're also going to be just today celebrating Motown, and he's obviously the one of the most influential, I mean, record companies ever. I mean, especially in terms of African Americans. Think of soul music, you think of Motown. You think of people like Stevie Wonder. You think of Marvin Gaye, The Temptations, The Four Tops. I could go on forever. Today, that's why I wanted to celebrate Motown. I've seen this documentary came out. So we're also going to be joined by Dan Epstein, who is a freelancer. I know he does stuff with Rolling Stone. He's been on this podcast before. We're going to talk some Motown today and just kind of dig into, I mean, kind of the background story. Obviously, everyone knows about Barry Gordy starting the record company, Smokey Robinson, very involved, writing hits for some of our favorite artists and some of our favorite groups of all time. And I wanted to get into the documentary first, and then we'll bring Dan on. So the big topic for today is Motown. The best things in life are free, but you can give them to the birds and bees.
Tell me a little bit about this documentary. No one knows everything, but I'm a little obsessed with Motown. So, like, I'm one of those people that feels like I don't need to know nothing. I'm one of those people. I, I don't. I already know everything. I'm not going to learn anything else from this documentary. So, just just tell me. So, what what are some things that you learned from watching the new brand new Motown documentary? Well, the first thing I learned is that uh, Barry Gordy he ran a well-oiled machine when Motown was getting ready to go and taking off. I would say flaunt it in this documentary like look look at you know look at what I did here look at this look how successful it is without you know tastefully but um just really you can tell him and uh Smokey Robinson just love 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 that company and um did a lot to keep it going believe it or not in the beginning uh Barry Gordy um did uh start up a record company or a uh, record store opened up a record store and he talks about that in the documentary mm-hmm. um but he only sold jazz is what he says he only sold <laughs> jazz someone would come in with <clears throat> wanting a uh, blues some muddy waters and he's like, i don't sell that go down the street i don't wow. sell that did not did not like blues said 12 bars of saying I love my wife. My wife don't love me. Stuff and <laughs> and he just he, he got him out of the store. So um obviously that uh, jazz record store did not did not last very long. Yeah, I was gonna say that could not have worked. no not at all. And uh, and then uh, that's what uh, made him end up in or get a job at GM after mm-hmm. after the record store went down and yeah um, and that's when he talks about um, figuring out the blueprints of what it would take to um produce music which you'll have to watch it because i mean it's it's elaborate it's it's elaborate it's interesting interesting and then also the documentary features a lot of Smokey robinson as i said and how barry gordy brought him in and how how he just thought he was a genius a genius i mean he had big old notebook pages of lyrics and music Mm. and all this stuff and just them uh, being teamed up together created what we love today. Absolutely, yeah. Smokey Robinson actually wrote my personal favorite song in Motown history, and that would be My Girl by The Temptations. Smokey Robinson mm-hmm. wrote that amongst many other hits. When I say Motown, who are some of the first people that you think of when I say Motown? I know you're a little bit younger, mm-hmm. but I, I like to get the feel you know, from the little bit of the younger generation. So when I say Motown, what do you think? Of? It's it's always and will always be the Jackson Five. When you say Motown, number one, Jackson Five is the first thing off the top of my head. Oh it's my. one of my top favorite groups of all time, and oh. my music research goes back to the twenties. And it's Jackson Five. And you you um, talked about my girl being one of your favorite. Another song that Smokey Robinson wrote was "Who's Loving You." And in the documentary, you see uh, Smokey, cl- you know, claiming and saying, oh, I, I wrote this song years before uh, we gave it to Michael Jackson. And mm-hmm. but now it's Michael Jackson's song. It's not mine anymore. No one ever. Remembers. Yeah, well, the, <laughs> yeah, he did because the Temptations yep, yeah. did it. Oh, the Temptations did yeah, it too. Yeah, the Temptations oh. did it first. So that's when, yeah, Smoke So Smokey. See, that's why you got me, man. I got you. So yeah, <laughs> the Temptations. David Ruffin, obviously, uh, the lead singer. Of the Temptations at that point. Well, him and Eddie Kendricks, but David Ruffin sang lead on "Who's Loving You" for the Temptations. So, and then obviously the Jackson Five and Michael Jackson really looked up to the Temptations. I mean, especially David Ruffin. Michael Jackson has mentioned that several times in interviews. How much you know he idolized guys like him and James Brown coming up. That's the first people you think of, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I guess. Well, we'll give you a pass. Talented family. Um, it, very talented <laughs> family, but that's just not the first people I think of. I think Temptations. I think Tim- Stevie Wonder. Oh, I yeah. think Marvin Gaye. Well, Tammy Terrell. Mm-hmm. Supremes. Mary Wells. All I mean, great. All great vocalists. I mean, Jackson 5. So, in terms of songs, Motown songs, what are some ones, personal favorites of yours? Mm-hmm. Not a Jackson 5 one. I, it's always heard it through the grapevine. That's the first okay. one that always comes up when I'm thinking Motown. First okay. one. And then, obviously, My Girl. But it's 
you know the music when the beat comes in as soon as you turn that track on and that beat comes in that's how you that's how they get you so the first first thing i think of when i think of motown is Spooky robinson the miracles honestly i mean i think of Ooh baby baby um their big hit i think it was around the 65 um, but yeah, I think Smokey Robinson, the miracles, you got tears of a clown. There's just so many hits and that that's what I think of. So I think of Smokey Robinson, the miracles, Stevie wonder, just because, I mean, he was so young when he first got started. So Stevie, yeah, wonder, 12 years old, 63 yeah. with uh fingertips part two. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. So yeah, Stevie wonder is one of the first I think of probably Marvin Gaye temptations kind of tie there so you ended up you did some research too what was our podcast again from last week podcast from last week yeah oh uh woodstock week before that the week week before last (laughs) rick james rick james rick james rick james so you dug a little bit up on rick james's tenure in motown as well yeah uh yeah interesting enough i they brought it up it was real quick i'm not i'm gonna have to dig deeper because i have no idea what (laughs) what they were talking about where it came from but they paired the name rick james matthews and neil young in the same in the same sentence on the same (laughs) poster so i'm gonna have to look that up um but it was uh I'm I'm probably going to mispronounce this, but it said the the mining birds or mina birds, mina birds, mina birds. Yes, formed 1964 up in Canada. That was when Rick James was up up in Toronto, Toronto, Ontario, and they only lasted a few years. I know Neil Young went on to do very successful things, and so did Rick James. Uh, both yeah, went on to do big things. Yeah, but yeah. a few things. So <laughs> they, they only lasted a few years, and I want to say Bruce Palmer was in the group as well and he ended up doing some stuff with buffalo springfield as well so we, we're talking you know we talked we talked woodstock yeah okay week. so I, that I gave us that. yeah buffalo springfield um bruce palmer he was the bass player for buffalo springfield uh, so and he was in that so they almost they had a little super group almost mm-hmm. in the minor birds but yeah man that's i'm glad you're doing see that's why we got this show man it's exciting <laughs> so yeah motown songs though her, you, you got heard it through the grapevine. I think My Girl, My Sherry More by Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. You said Jackson 5. Yeah, Jackson 5 did that song too. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. I yeah. You said Jackson, Jackson 5. I, I would say I Want You Back. Yeah. I, I think that would rank high yeah. in terms of my Motown songs. Yeah. In, in my mind, I kind of have um, the Jackson 5 towards the end of what I would consider the true Motown sound. Mm-hmm. The music that really came out of Detroit, not when they moved right. to L.A. later. Which uh, going back to, for your, uh, to your Smokey, Smokey Robinson love, mm-hmm. did not want to go to L.A., which he says in the mm-hmm. documentary when um, he was talking to Barry Gordy, he said, no, no. We want to keep it here in Detroit, and then obviously that didn't work. Yeah, and um, I, I, from from interviews I've done, there were a lot of people that were not a fan of moving the move, the yeah. move to L.A. So it, yeah, right. obviously the um, the in the Temptation movie they talked about that too. They mm-hmm. you know telling telling Shelley it's not right. It just doesn't feel right here in L.A. Mm-hmm. They wanted to cross over. Wanted to cross over. They just got so big, and which which. This is why Barry Gordy is the businessman that he is, though. I mean, he took Motown and he created something gold. Like, I mean, just absolutely fantastic. And it got so big in such a short period of time. Like, let's really look back here. So, like, Motown was started and founded January 12th, 1959. Okay. 1959. So, celebrating 60 years of Motown here. So, I look at the Temptations. That's my personal, probably favorite group. From Motown, so I look at the Temptations. My girl was sixty four. Mm-hmm. It started in fifty nine. <laughs> Just a couple of years later. That's only a few years into their tenure. That's yeah. crazy. But if you like, ask them, they felt like they waited forever right. oh, for absolutely. that hit. Oh, absolutely. And th- and that's what made Motown so special. So that's why we're doing this today. We we played some samples for you. Give you a nice little intro to Motown. So it's and so before we go to our guests, producer Cleveland, I know this is a. I know this is something you're passionate about. We did Woodstock last week, and you're starting to learn a little bit about, you know, some of the the stories behind the music. We all hear the music, and you you said something before we started recording, and it really disappointed me. We got to get you listening to albums. Oh, full so albums, get, not get, greatest let's hits. Let's let the listeners in. Yes, <laughs> before we started recording, we're talking. I, I was like, yeah, let's talk. Let's talk favorite albums. 
And he's like, I don't listen to albums. What what year did you say you don't listen I, to albums from before like, that year? I, yeah, before any sometime around the eighties, eighties till today, I'll listen to full albums. Oh if it's bef- if it's before that, I just do greatest hits. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I would turn his mic off, people, but he's my <laughs> producer, so I can't. I can't believe he said that. So no album before nineteen eighty. You'll listen. You won't listen to that. Album. I will. I just don't. I want to. <laughs> I want to listen to artists. I want to listen to everything great that they put out. Man, man, man. So <laughs> I'm so disappointed. So we're talking. So Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. Like greatest hits. None, greatest hits. Greatest no hits. albums. I could tell you my ten songs. In the, so the so top Jackson 10. Five. No albums. No, I just I just no play the whole the their whole anthropology anthology <laughs> anthology their whole anthology, anthropology? anthropology. <laughs> I listen to their whole their whole thing everything they ever put out I even bought the animated so you cartoon. Don't, do you even know what album no no I do not oh. I don't know what albums on what or what songs on what album so I imagine ABCs on ABC album? so what what's your favorite Jackson Five song but, um the love you save is the best. So, do you even know what album that's from? No idea. Oh, my. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I Want to Be Where You Are is the best song, Jackson 5 song. Okay, but we, we got we to gotta stay on the love you. You said the love you save, right? Yep. That's on one. ABC. That's on ABC? You know ABC, right? ABC, I'm guessing one. that's on ABC. Uh, yes. <laughs> and One More Chance. I mean, that one... They did. They redid the Delphonics. La la means mm-hmm. I love you. And that's one. Of, that's one of the big issues that I have um, listening to full albums. I even I listen to Cloud Nine, Temptations. There was a lot of covers on there, and then a lot of the time I'd rather just listen to the my goodness um, artist that the original artist for that. So you never heard the Looking Through the Windows album? I know that song. No, you got to hear not me. the album, the whole album. <sighs> Oh my goodness all right so i'm giving you some homework <laughs> i'm giving you some homework you got what, what what streaming service do you have for music apple i use apple strike one um, <laughs> so all right you go back you're a jackson five fan you need to go back listen to looking through the window album looking through the window. i'm writing it down looking through the window and listen to maybe tomorrow Song or the album? Album. Both albums. Right. We listen Both to albums, albums here. Both albums. This is music vibes, man. We listen music to albums. Vibes. We got to get album. you converted. Okay? All right. Go listen to those two and bring us, you know, tell us what you think next week. We'll come back. All right? I think I might buy them at Neat Neat Neat. There you go. Go and buy them. Maybe tomorrow yeah. is there, by the way. Pre-order. Pre-order. Neat 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 Records of Music, 1836 <laughs> South Calhoun Street. Give them another plug there. They do got Maybe Tomorrow. They do. They oh. do have that there. Picking it up. So there, there we go. I might have to borrow that one. Um, so, yeah, let's go ahead and translate. Let's go ahead and bring on our guest. Let's have some fun with our guest. Let's bring on Dan Epstein, freelancer, Rolling Stone, amongst others. And we're going to continue our talk and dig into Motown. What's happening, man? Nothing okay. much. <laughs> That's awesome. It's good to hear from you. Last time, did we talk Curtis Mayfield? We did. That's right. So this is a little bit different. I'm really excited, though. I know you're a music historian yourself, and I know you enjoy some of the classic hits. And today I brought you on because I needed some expertise on Motown. So today we're celebrating Motown 60 years. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's true. I guess 59 was was when Barry Gordy founded it. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. And did did you have a chance to catch the documentary that just came out this past weekend? You know, I didn't. Like I said, I was out of town, so I've not been watching uh, TV, but uh, it's definitely uh, on my hit list for this weekend. (laughs) Same here. Yeah, my producer's seen it. I haven't even got to see it yet, so he had to break it down. And I I was quite honest. There's so much about Motown. Um, I I find out something new each time I dig into Motown. There's always this you know, small bits of information behind the creation and the business side of Motown. So let's just start off, you know, at the very beginning for Barry Gordy, it's, you know, you're in the sixties. It's really tough, you know, to become up, you know, not only as an African-American, but just making in music in general. I mean, music was at its peak. You have the Beatles, you have, you know, rock and roll at its finest in that time. And then you have Motown created, by Barry Gordy, Smokey Robinson join up, and then all of a sudden Motown is created. You know, just kind of looking back at the creation of Motown, what did you think of, you know, how Barry Gordy got this up and running? 
Well, I mean, Barry Gordy was a hustler. He was, um, you know, in, in, in just about every every way that uh, that <laughs> word implies. Um, you know, I mean, you know, he he re- he got it moving uh, pre Beatles, kind of post this, you know, kind of post the initial wave of rock and roll. You know, fifty nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, it was right before Buddy Holly died. Uh, Elvis was in the army. Uh, Little Richard had uh, given up rock and roll to find God, um, or because he found God, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis was uh, up on morals charges. I mean, it, it was it was kind of a weird period in in you know in rock and roll history. And you've got Barry Gordy, who is a you know former boxer and uh, you know sometime pimp, and uh, you know just like a guy who would. And, and a songwriter, and you know, he worked with Jackie Wilson, and and you know, just just kind of like did whatever he could to, to you know bring in some cash and and get his name out there. And you know, I mean, you look back at his origins, and you don't think that this is the type of guy who's going to make you know a multi-billion-dollar uh, 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 label someday. But then again, it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of the classic American dream story, isn't it? You know, a guy just like, you know, uh, puts, uh, I, I believe the business arrangement for the, to start up the label was, you know, it was not just him. It was like he, he had a bunch of his siblings and, and family members, you know, put money into the pot and they were all shareholders and, and, uh, you know, it was enough to, to kind of get things off the ground. And, and he just, you know, tenaciously went for it from there uh, and, uh, you know, started off with it with, you know, some local hits. And then just like every time, every time there was a success, he managed to build on it, partly because of his connections in the industry, partly because he really did have an ear and a sense, you know, for talented people. Um you know, you mentioned Smokey Robinson getting in, you know, mm-hmm. early. Um, you know, I interviewed Smokey about, I guess it was about 15 years ago, and he told me wow. something really interesting, which was that uh, Barry, you know, you know, it wasn't just like Barry said, okay, Smokey, you know, you're a good songwriter, let's go. <laughs> Barry really had a sense of, of, you know, that Smokey was a talented guy, but he was, you know, he had a lot of rough edges that needed to be to be sanded off, and and Smokey said that that you know his early songs that that he was writing, like they would start off in one direction. You know, a verse would be about one thing, and then the next verse would be about something completely different. <laughs> and Barry was really the guy who said to him, you know, like you're talented, and you know, like but but you need you need to focus, man. You need to like you know what you're writing about in the first verse like expand from that but don't like you know you you know your songs are just all over the place and like you know to keep people's attention to make a memorable song you really need to like you know work on this theme that you've started with instead of jumping onto something else Mm -hmm. so i mean like you know so when Smokey told me that that really like yeah i think i had a i gained a new respect for barry gordy from that because i always thought of him as you know a businessman like a guy who you know, look to the Henry Ford model of production mm-hmm. and apply that to music. And, you know, and that that was his genius. But I didn't really think about what, you know, what an ear he had and what a, you know, mind he had for creativity as well. And I think that's, you know, that's something that's very rare in the music business where you get people who are, you know, have a real business acumen, but are also really sharp uh, from the artistic angle as well. Yeah, definitely a lost art, in my opinion, in terms of today's music, for sure. Um, oh, yeah. So and one of one of the things that amazes me now, I took my first trip to the Motown Museum last year and kind of I mean, obviously heaven for people like us who just adore music and pretty much obsessed with it in any other case. Um, so I got to dig in a little bit to some of the behind stories. So if I correct me if I'm wrong, but tell me that this roster that Motown created, um, like the Diana Ross, you got Mary Wells the temptations marvin gay so correct me if i'm wrong but all of these artists resided within a few blocks 
of Motown. How how it, it, first of all, am I correct on that? And second of all, well, I, how how small can this world be to have this many talented musicians that we've heard over throughout these years <laughs> living so close to each other? Well, I mean, I, I think I mean uh, I I don't know that they all originated a few blocks from Motown. I think they all came to came to reside a few blocks of Motown. It was, you know, it was kind of like, you know, that they started the, you know, the, in addition to starting his own label, it was like, like Barry Gordy started his own community. He started, you know, buying up houses, you know, but he bought a nice house in a really, you know, in a, in a nice district of Detroit. And then his artists all kind of followed suit around him. Uh, but, you know, by and large, you know, most Motown artists were from the Detroit area, you know, the, at least what we think of as the classic Motown artists. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think that, that just speaks to what an incredible city Detroit was uh, musically. And, you know, and, and after Motown's success, uh, oh, and, you know, a whole bunch of other labels sprang up uh, around that, you know, signing artists who... Who, you know, who, who, you know, Motown had passed on, but were still really talented. So, you know, so it's like, like getting, you know, getting the Motown, uh, getting the stuff that Motown passed over, you would mm-hmm. still get really, uh, you know, high level talent. And, and then you had all these, you know, all those, the session musicians, you know, the Funk Brothers, the yeah. guys who played on the, on all these records, but, you know, weren't credited. A lot of them were moonlighting at you know local labels like Golden World and Rick Tick and stuff, stuff like that, where where you know they could make a little extra money in their downtime by uh, you know uh, recording with these other local artists and labels. So it's you know th- there was definitely a, a pretty heavy vein of musical talent that that uh, Gordy was. Uh, you know, was obviously sharp enough to tap into and exploit. Yeah. And I know you've been um, in the music industry for a while, but you know who you mentioned, I'm going to go ahead and let you name drop. Cause I'm like, I'm still kind of in shock <laughs> that you told. So you've interviewed Smokey. Who else have you got to interview in terms of, in terms of the classic Motown? Well, the only, the only other folks I've gotten interview in terms of classic Motown were uh, Holland does your Holland. Ooh. And I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm getting chills just thinking about Ooh. it. I mean, that, like, and I got them all together in the in the same room, and uh, and that was that was pretty amazing. And and you know, just listening to them talk about like how they would write, and you know, it was all like, you know, that they had this this whole system where you know, um, you know, Brian Holland would kind of handle the music and and. Uh, and and his brother and Lamont Dozier would you know kind of come up with the, the lyrics and the melodies and you know and Brian would be banging away on on, on this you know rickety piano and and uh, you know and, and then like their frustration you know I mean they they were they obviously wrote so many great songs for like you know the Four Tops and, and yeah. the Supremes specifically but you know other artists you know like the Isley Brothers and. You know, uh, all, all got to have some of that HDH magic, but you know, but but then you know th- these guys, you know, they talked about like how they were just you know cranking out these songs and you know and and using pretty much any stray bit of inspiration they could to kind of uh, kind of you know get new ideas cooking, but then like the the frustration of of you know coming to the table. I mean, you know, Gordy legend, you know, had these legendary Friday meetings at Motown where, you know, the, where demos and singles would be played and, you know, and he'd give the thumbs up or the thumbs down. And if, you know, Barry didn't like it, uh, you know, it didn't matter how good the song seemed to everybody else, but Barry didn't like it. It was really hard to, to, you know, to get anything to happen with it. Yeah, and obviously, I'm, I'm actually, I've never got to interview Lamont Dozier, but I'm friends with him on Facebook, so. Um, oh, cool. I seen he was, I seen he was sick a couple months ago, but it seem, he seems to be doing a little bit better. Um, so, yeah, oh, good. Lamont, yeah, he's doing a little bit better now, so 78 years old, you know, they're getting up there, um, but. I know, it's, it's, it's so, you know, it's unfortunately something we have to think about all the time. It's like, you mm-hmm. know, these guys, like. 
they may not have that much longer to tell their stories. And, and so I, I'm really thankful that I did get, you know, get an hour in a room with HDH. I mean, yeah, that's, that is, that is amazing. that's, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and what was cool too, is just like how, how open they were, you know, to, to, to music and, and sounds and, you know, and like, I think Brian, uh, Brian Holland told me like the first, song that ever really moved him was white christmas by by bing crosby you know which seems a million miles removed from what what the kind of stuff you wrote with motown and and then you know again this is about 15 years ago that i talked to them and you know i was asking them about rap and they're like man if we were coming up today we'd be rapping our asses off you know it's (laughs) like that there was there was no like oh yeah these kids today you know we can't you know the music we made was real you know what wasn't that kind of attitude at all it was just kind of like well you know we were lucky enough to be part of this thing and 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 take it somewhere and you know i mean like they, they had a pretty uh pretty fractious breakup with Motown and with Barry Gordy and, you know, feeling like they were not getting a fair shake. And then, you know, there was like a year there where they weren't able to do anything because, you know, they they were mired in lawsuits uh, with Motown and, you know, finally were able to break away and do their own label. But, you know, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's like any, the story of any successful label where it's like, You know that they're they're going to be brilliant people who get, you know, mistreated or feel like they're being, you know, not fully appreciated or not getting, you know, the full cut of of what they deserve. And you know, you you, you take Holland does your Holland songs out of the Motown equation, and I mean, you know, that's a real it's a real point right there. Like like where are the four tops and where are the screams without uh, without those songs? Absolutely, and not to mention Martha uh, Martha and the Vandellas. I mean, heat wave. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Take away heat wave. It's like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. That's awesome that you got to interview HDH. That's absolutely amazing, and that's why I got you here today. Dan Epstein again joining <laughs> us here. Um, so when I say Motown, I got I have a young producer. So when I mentioned Motown to him, I put him on the spot and was like, "All right, tell me the first group or artist that comes to your mind when I say Motown." And he told me Jackson Five. I was a little disappointed. I understand that Michael Jackson was big in our generation, but they're—I'm sorry—Jackson Five is not the first thing that comes to my mind when I think <laughs> Motown. So hopefully you're on my side. But when I say Motown, who are some of the first that you think of? Well, I think—I uh, mean, Four Tops are probably the first yes. that come to mind. That, that and yes. and that's—you know—that's both because they were amazing, and Le- Levi Stubbs just sang the living crap out of anything that was put in front of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my aunt, who was a teenager in the early 60s, um, uh, when I was a little kid, she still had all her 45s. And I remember and she had one of those 40, those, you know, 45 um, racks where like all the four, you know, all the singles are like laid out in a row, mm. like on a wire frame type of deal. And I never forget like the the one that was on the end that was facing the doorway to a room, and I would see it whenever I you know ran in there playing hide and seek or whatever, was uh, the four tops um, uh, on Motown, and I'm almost positive it was I'll be there. Mm. Or, I'm sorry, reach out, I'll reach be out, there. I'll be there. And and so like you know this is before I knew anything about music, before I even knew that song or who the four tops were. And then like a couple of years later, as I, you know, I started becoming interested in music. And so she would pull out, you know, that rack of 45s and be like, you know, and turn basically, you know, this is my musical early musical education. And I'll met, you know, and so she put it on. I remember seeing that Motown label with, you know, the map of the city, you know, again, against the, the, the blue background and, and, you know, and just, and, you know, and I grew up in Ann Arbor, uh, which is just outside of Detroit, but like, I never really thought about Motown and its connection to Detroit. And like, you know, it was just this moment where like, I'm hearing this incredible song and just, you know, with this incredible arrangement and I'm seeing the, the label spin around and like thinking like, Hey, wait a minute, you know, not only is this great, but this is part of the fabric. Uh, not that I used that kind of term at the time, but just like, you know, this is, part of the area that i'm from and you know i should be paying attention to this right <laughs> so when i so you got me on four tops which i could 
uh, we could do, almost do a whole podcast on the four tops alone. Oh um, yeah. No so, so I'm putting you on the spot again. All right. So two of my favorite songs by the four tops. I want you to choose one for me, which is, which one would be your favorite. So I got baby. I need your loving or sugar pie, honey bunch. The, those are both great. I'm going to go with two somewhat more obscure songs, uh, for, for, uh, uh, I guess, uh, personal reasons. One, their version of, uh, walk away, Renee, hmm. the cover of the, the left bank song. I mean, it's, it's, you know, not written by a Motown uh, Motown songwriting team, mm-hmm. but I I just like like that reduces me to tears every time I hear it. it. It's like I think one of the again down to Levi Stubbs. It's like here's an example of him. You know his his brilliance as, as a vocalist. He's taking a song that in its original incarnation is kind of like a teenage love song. You know, almost about a. You know, a, 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 a school schoolboy schoolgirl crush kind of situation, and in his hands with his vocals, it becomes this incredibly, you know, it, it, it's like it's transformed into a song about an adult relationship, like almost like a divorce type of thing, mm-hmm. and it's so heavy. And and uh, you know, I, if if you haven't spent any time with it, I would. I would urge you to to give that a spin again because it's it's just devastating to me every time every time I listen to it. And uh, the other one, uh, and, and this goes back to my HDH interview, mm-hmm. uh, is uh, "I'm in a Different World," which was one of the last songs that Holland Does Your Holland wrote for Four Tops. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that day when I was interviewing them, and I asked them, okay, you know, like putting you on the spot, what's your favorite song? you know, that you wrote and, uh, and, um, and I believe, I can't remember which one said it, but I, I think, I think it was Lamont who said, uh, uh, I'm in a different world that, that, wow. uh, the, uh, uh, that, that, that there was just something about Brian's melody that he came with up with on that, that just seemed to come from a very deep and, uh, untapped place. And it really, uh, it really kind of hit him, and 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 I think they were they were all very disappointed that the record was not more of a success. I agree. I I, I didn't think that one was that looked. Old. I mean, I have this record at home. I have the vinyl. Um, it's uh, Yesterday's Dream from '68. I got that record. Um, at yeah, home, so. and I think I think I'm. I could be wrong, but I feel like I'm in a different world. Like stalled in the twenties. Yep. You know, on the pop charts. So what was you know it wasn't a, a blockbuster like right. Uh, that's crazy. Like like their earlier stuff. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, we could do we could do four tops and someone else. I think I tried to bring you on. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. I wanted to bring you on. It was the anniversary of Off the Wall, and I oh, under, right, right. I understand that you know it's kind of kind of weird territory to you know talk about Michael Jackson around these times, which I understand. But you cannot mention Motown and not talk Michael Jackson and the Jackson Five. So talking about their discography, and I actually just got a Jackson Five record yesterday. Uh, their album Maybe Tomorrow, which features oh, yeah. yeah, Never Can Say Goodbye, Great to Be Here, amongst a few other hits. So talking about the Jackson Five uh, starting in Motown. I mean, I think very influential in their growth as well. I mean, you got this kid group. You know, the Temptations are getting older. Um, a lot of change over with David Ruff. Uh, in comes Dennis Edwards. A lot of changeover with them. Four tops, and then you got you have this young group of teenagers from Gary, Indiana. Shout out to Indiana um, and Jackson Five. You have them in Motown. Just kind of relive the Jackson Five discography for us from Motown. Oh yeah, I mean that 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 was that was you're right on with that. I mean that was new blood that the label desperately needed. I mean not not just the stuff you mentioned, but you know mm-hmm. Diana Ross had left the Supremes to go solo. Yep. Uh, pretty much at Barry Gordy's urging, uh, four tops are getting older, not not getting the hits that 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 they had. And you know, if you if you look at at like lists of Motown singles from like 1969 to 1972, which is kind of like the initial heyday of the Jackson Five. That's when they were mm-hmm. just cranking out uh, one great uh, single after another. You know the. the the, the Jackson Five were really, really gave the label a new identity. Um, you know, so many of the other hits that were coming out, um, 
you know, again, Smokey Robinson had, you know, was was leaving the miracles. Yep. Uh, Edwin Starr was having some hits, but he wasn't really like the kind of, you know, artist that uh, that 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 a label identity could be built around. And and I think, you know, the J- Jackson Five really, you know, from you know with ABC and I Want You Back and yep. you know all these songs. I mean, like they were bubblegum. And you know, could be marketed to a to a much younger audience, but at the same time, like those records were sophisticated and groovy enough that, like, you know, there was no shame if you were older uh, in in getting into those records. I mean, like, you know, listen back to ABC and like, I mean, that's that that's like, you know, like you hear the fuzz guitars and like just the layers of the arrangement. It's it's. It's it's incredibly sophisticated. It's it's not just you know some like you know crank out some crap for the kids. <laughs> yeah, and that and that was like you said, music was changing a little bit too. That was it was kind of transitioning from the you know the slow soul ballads like the you know the wish it would rain by the temptations like you starting to get into you know the cloud nines and you know the superstitions you're starting to turn up the tempo a little bit in motown so abc came right on time and i could i mean jackson i honestly i know this isn't a very um popular opinion but i honestly choose if i had the choice i would rather listen to the jackson five over michael jackson's discography like i enjoy the jackson five that much and you nailed it with abc and and also what they did i feel was they a lot of covers they did they did it so well like who's loving you was probably one of their biggest hits and they didn't even do it first and no no one yeah and nobody knows that exactly and i don't know if you've heard their cover of uh uh i bet you by uh funkadelic yep um, you know, it's it's like like they could hold their own on that level too. It's like they they could get funky, they could get heavy, and you know. But 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 you mentioned Cloud Nine, and I think that's a real important part of the story that a lot of people forget about was that mm-hmm. when Norman Whitfield came in and kind of brought that psychedelic soul funk um, aesthetic, uh, and and you know that was really necessary to kind of um, you know keep the label relevant because you know I think there was an there was a view of the label that it was just about, you know, cranking out, you know, pop friendly stuff that, you know, white audiences as well as black audiences could uh, get down with. And then you've got Norman Whitfield coming in and, you know, writing and producing songs about, you know, social uh, upheaval, um, mm-hmm. you know, just, just like, you know, more hot button stuff that, that Barry Gordy was very reluctant to, to touch. But, you know, his his Whitfield's vision was so strong that, uh, you know, Gord, Gordy kind of had to let him run with it. And I think that really revived the Temptations fortunes. But it also, you know, as a whole, like made Mo- Motown more of a, you know, player in the, you know, it, it, it kept them relevant. And, you know, as did uh, as did Marvin Gaye with uh, What's Going On and, and you know, his, his run of records after that, it really sort of like, you know, again, you you had the Jackson Five appealing to the kids, but also, you know, to the adults. And whereas Marvin Gaye was more directed at the adults, but uh, kids could, uh, you know, but it was so melodic and so, uh, you know, and the grooves were so great that the kids could get behind it as well. Talking Motown here, I, I Dan, I could, I swear, I could talk to you and. It- forever about Motown or just just music in general um I want to I want to touch on the ladies too though before I let you go in terms of Motown um got to touch on the ladies Motown is not Motown without Diana Ross and the Supremes or Primes and the Primes and the Primettes like I like to call them um that's 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 how I got to know them um and obviously Mary Wells Martha Reeves and Vandellas I mean just kind of reflect on the ladies of Motown yeah, I mean, well, uh, Mary Wells, I mean, if, if it hadn't been for Mary Wells, again, like, who knows where Motown would be? I mean, she was, I mean, we forget we forget about her now for the most part. It's like, you know, if you ask people to mention, to name a Mary Wells song, it's like, maybe they'll come at you with my guy, but, yeah. you know, they probably won't even remember that. And, but but in the, those first, you know, like, like 63, 64, she was key to that label she was the one bringing in the money and uh you know if it hadn't been for her they wouldn't you know i'm sure 
that uh, it would have been much more difficult to get those Supremes records out there and promote them, uh, much more difficult to get Martha and the Vandellas out there. And yeah, and, you know, you, you know, dancing in the street. Uh, I mean, what what an important and influential record that was. And, you know, and that's that's a classic uh, Motown production story where, you know, everything but, you know, the, the expression everything but the kitchen sink, it's like they were literally uh, slamming tire chains on the floor in time to uh, in time to the music, uh, you know, for an extra percussion thing. And also just like, you know, the sort of a subtle, like, you know, proto industrial uh, aspect to uh, uh, to the production that, that that doesn't get talked about, but just like you know, they would try anything. And 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 you mentioned going to the Motown Museum. I mean, what a trip is that to like walk into the oh. you know to the studio, which is not big. I mean, it's no. like you could barely fit four people into that control room, <laughs> and I don't know how they fit all those people into into the actual uh, you know re- recording room. It's it, but like that's. You know, I, I remember, like, you know, and it's funny because, like, I visited Detroit so many times, and I didn't go to the Motown Museum until maybe four years ago. Wow. I was on a trip with my wife to see a Tigers game, and she was like, oh, we should go to the Motown Museum. And I was kind of <laughs> like, yeah, whatever, you know, okay, <laughs> we can do that. And then we're in that room, and I just start, like, you know, randomly thinking about any, you know, any great Motown song of the 1960s and it's just like it was recorded here that song was recorded here that song was recorded here and i i mean like i just got chills i I, like it it was almost too much to comprehend and like they had that studio going like almost 24 7 they were there were different shifts with with different session musicians and they were i mean they were cranking it out and uh you know i'm i'm i would urge anyone who gets the chance to go and visit the Motown Museum just because, Absolutely. you know, the, the enormity of of that label's accomplishment uh, versus, you know, the, the, the tininess of the studio and and the house in general. Like, it's it's mind-boggling. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. If you guys... Like you said, if you have a chance to make the trip to the Motown Museum up in Detroit, be sure to do it. It's like 15 bucks and you get the tour. It's not bad at all. You got some souvenirs to get uh, from the store as well. I thought I thought it was a fantastic trip and I did the same exact thing. I'm sitting in the room and I'm just picturing like almost putting them there, you know, image wise. Yeah. I'm like I'm seeing the temptation singing my girl. I'm seeing Smokey, you know, helping, court, uh, you know, write the songs and go over the songs. Norman Whitfield uh, going over Papa was Rolling Stone and our arguing with dennis edwards about the lyrics you know i'm picturing all right. ki- i'm picturing all kinds of things so i'm right there with you man it's it's really fun to you know on base you know? yeah it's like yeah. it's you gotta love it and motown that's why we did it today to kind of celebrate um i mean something that's been really influential not only for my podcast but just music in general and the music industry and that's why i had you today dan epstein joining us so before i let you go though i want to i just wanted to catch up what do you have coming up and what have you been doing lately well, I'm working right now. I'm, I'm working as the editorial director on a, a forthcoming uh, coffee table photo book called Stompbox, okay. which is all about um, of, of effects fiddles, uh, the things that guitarists and bassists and some keyboardists uh, use. And they're kind of, I think of them as like the unsung heroes of, of music, of rock and roll, of, of pop and soul and funk and all that, because so many of the sounds that we hear uh, on records are produced by guitars going through these effects units mm-hmm. and and the way that the guitarist tweaks them and, and the way that they interact with the guitar and the amplifier to produce these these unusual sounds and you know i mean when i was a kid growing up and listening you know to music i just thought that 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 just meant you were a really talented guitarist that's you you know that the, the, those sounds are coming out of your hands but but in fact like you know a lot of uh so many of the great electric guitarists of the past 50 years like they relied on these things whether it was you know the keith richards using a fuzz box for the riff on satisfaction or yeah. 
Jimi Hendrix and Curtis Mayfield using wah-wah pedals. I mean, like this is this is all a key element of musical history that's been kind of ignored outside of guitar magazines. So, so this this, uh, this book, uh, the photographer uh, who's taking all the pictures is a is a photographer named Elon Paz, who's a um, he, he recently did a book called Dust and Grooves, which is all about record collectors and photographing their collections and, and their obsessions. And so this is a different sort of obsession. Yeah, it's always fantastic having you. And like I said, I, and I'm not just saying it just because I have you as a guest on the phone. I'm not sucking up. I could literally talk music with you forever. <laughs> um, and I, I think you've become one of my go to guys. I got you. Um, you're one of my go to's from now on. I think, you know, if Thank you're you. if you're available, I would definitely reach out. You, Jeff Slate from Rock Seller. You guys are like my main two. Corbin Reef from Up Rocks. There's a few guys that I really like to go to, you know, when I want to learn more about music, you know, and you are definitely emerging as one of my favorites. Fantastic time today uh, talking Motown with you. Um, have to catch a baseball game with you sometime. I see you're a big baseball fan. Yeah, well, you know, I, I've got uh, I've got a complicated uh, relationship with baseball right now. I'm, I'm officially boycotting MLB this year, uh oh, um, for a wide variety of reasons. But but um, the, the the main one being that uh, you know after after the commissioner's office uh, donated a bunch of money to a, a very racist uh, senatorial candidate out of Mississippi, oh. I just thought like you know. Here, here's, here's, you know, here, here's an entity, Major League Baseball, that prides itself so much on the Jackie Robinson story and yep. pats itself on the back every chance it gets. And, geez, I wonder what Jackie would think about this. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I had, so I've, I've been strictly minor league baseball uh, uh, okay. this summer, and uh, but that, that's, that's a lot of fun. So, yeah, yeah if you're, you're, if, if, uh, if wherever in the same place uh, during baseball season it would it would it. be great uh, i love talking music with you man so uh, absolutely anytime oh, i love it man and yeah the four wayne sin cats we have them as a minor league team here um the best the best ballpark in all minor league baseball so really yeah. I, I gotta look into that yeah two years in a row so come check us out um but yeah as <laughs> as always man i really appreciate you coming on i hope you enjoy your week in the weekend okay i really appreciate it thanks man have a great weekend dc be sure to keep up with the Music Vibes podcast with DC Hendrix presented by Neat 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 Records by subscribing on everywhere podcasts are available. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Radio Public, everywhere podcasts are available. Make us one of your favorites by subscribing and make sure to leave us a review and let me know what you guys are thinking of the Music Vibes podcast. That'll do it for this week. And until next week, everybody, be sure to spread some peace and love. Podcast by Federated Media. Podcast by Federated Media.